Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and now here's part three, looking at some vascular CTA. Now, I mentioned in the list of things we need to look at is post-processing. And looking at the abdominal aorta, I think of things from the axial through the MPR to 3D mapping. And I do look at all of them. There's certain things where axial works fine. Some of the measurements can be okay in axial, particularly for normal measurements. And sometimes looking for endovascular leaks, the axials indeed work very well. But when you start looking at large areas, the surgeons love to see the aorta in its entirety, like it's an angiogram. And so one of the things, and I'm going to give a special talk about this editing, is the need for editing. Now the good news is, with newer techniques, we can do very fast editing. The computer can recognize bone, pull critical structures away, and then you're able to show images, whether it's volume rendering or it's MIP, as in this example, or volume rendering, as in this example. So one of the important steps in the abdominal aorta, and in, in runoff studies, is the ability to uh, prepare the data sets, prepare them quickly, and again, maybe you can have a technologist do this part, though again, with automated removal of bone, uh, it's something that can be done in a matter of seconds. Again, care must be taken not to remove critical structures, but this is a very important technique. Now in regard to axial images, Here's a good example where axial works very nicely. It's a dissection, and now we show that it's going into the celiac axis. It's hard to do better than those axial images showing you specifically the flap, where the flap goes, its definition. So axial imaging can be important in that regard. However, when you're trying to show its extent, take that axial and make it now into a sagittal, and you can see the flap, how it's tracking, and how a special flap goes into the celiac, and how it's oriented. And of course, now if you want to get it in a better global perspective, put that entire process into a 3D volume rendering. You can see where the true lumen is versus false lumen, where the uh, patient's celiac and SMA come from the true lumen, and we're able to visualize that a whole lot better. Now, I mentioned to you a moment ago about editing. Let me just take a step back into editing. So when I showed you the editing, what exactly happens? Well, you can see here the computer figures out where the bone is based on size, shape, and density and pulls structures out without you know, drifting and taking other structures away. And you can see nicely here, tib-fib, or um, you can see here, a little bit uh, um, higher up, where it's taking out the femurs and the pelvis and acetabulum and the iliac bone. So again, uh, this type of editing, this automated editing, indeed becomes very critical because now that I've taken away the bone, I can override the computer in case it takes too much away and sometimes it's an issue when you have very dense calcification, but look how nicely you can see the aorta and the iliacs and the runoff vessels, seeing the disease, the anterior tibial on the right side. So again, the ability to visualize and then, of course, we can target down over specific areas. You know, that global view is nice, but it's hard to see detail. And you can see, this is the MIP images, but you can see how nicely uh, the bony structures have been removed. And then we'll just slide down a little bit, and we'll slide down to look at the, the trifurcation vessels. So again, uh, you could put the bone back with this technique, but it's really an ideal way of looking at things and really makes our life easier. And again, when you're looking at what the clinicians want to see, this indeed becomes very important because now we're able to show them everything and we're able to show it in a format that kind of is very much like classic angiography or very much like um, you know, an MRA. So that indeed becomes very, very important in that regard. Now, 
when you start looking at the images, I think it's very important to recognize, of course, uh, again, we, how we can target down over areas. So again, very, very simple, no problem. Now, post-operative complications, CTA works very nicely, whether it's occlusion or leak or fistula or pseudoaneurysm. So in this case, post-aortic aneurysm repair, volume rendering on your left, MIP on the right, uh, looks like the aorta is repaired very nicely, but you don't see the left kidney. And in this patient, what happened was there was injury to the left renal artery at surgery. And as you look through the data set, you can see that the patient's left kidney is now infarcted, peripheral rim enhancement through capsular vessels, but this global infarction of the patient's left kidney. Well, you can see this next case of a large femoral artery pseudoaneurysm. Nice complication, big saccular collection. Uh, this can be uh, treated with surgery or with stenting, but you can see the size and extent of that pseudoaneurysm. Very nice uh, visualization. We speak about using CT for determining what patients are eligible for stents, uh, planning stents, and of course following stents up. The reason we do endovascular stent grafting these days is it's less stress for the patient, there's less blood loss and open surgery, it's a third or so of the hospital stay with less ICU use. Um, CT provides lots of information. First of all, can a stent be used? And if so, what kind of stent? What's its size? What needs to be done? And what's the best approach for going after the stent? You can see cases like this. It's a large aneurysm. Okay, well, maybe a stent should work. But look at the aneurysm and its relationship to the distal aorta. It's a very sharp angle. There's no way you can get a stent in there. There's no way you can put a stent up there. This is a patient who needs surgery. This patient is not going to get stent. Now, we do have many new tools. A critical thing, of course, is just simply measurement. How large is the aorta? How large is the uh, stent that needs to be placed, for example? Well, you know, it's one thing measuring point A to point B, but in a very ectatic structure, particularly when it's dilated, what is the true measurement? And so one of the things that the computers can do now is get a centerline measurement, so traveling through the center of an aneurysm to get very accurate measurements, and this can be done automatically. So centerline measurements are something that are becoming very commonplace, and again, with these vascular tools, that's all part of the vascular package. So you know the distance from the aneurysm to the renal arteries, or to the iliacs. We know all the specific measurements that need to be made for designing a stent. And you can see from the images I'm showing you, these measurements are indeed very accurate. And as I rotate through the data set, you really get the feel of how the computer tracks the center line. And if it didn't track the center line, of course, we can make some adjustments. But it really indeed works very nicely. Now, the question is, how do we optimize visualization of stent patency? Well, there are a number of things we can do. I mean, questions we answer. Is the stent in the right position, for example? That's one of the questions we answer. Uh, is there a leak present? Is a stent patent? Uh, is it narrowed? If, if it is narrowed, what degree of narrowing is present? Now, I mentioned in part before that non-contrast scans are very important because sometimes it's high-density material that can easily confuse you with a leak, uh, but you'll recognize this if you do non-contrast CT. So that indeed is very important. Arterial phase imagings are optimal for visualization of the lumen as well as for detecting leaks. Now I showed you an example before of a leak that was picked up on delayed phase at about 70 seconds out, but most leaks are picked up early. But if you want to pick up every leak, you need to get both the arterial and that 70 second uh, sequence of images. 
number of articles have been published. This one article, CTA is a preferred method for establishing the presence of perigraph leakage following treatment of aortoiliac aneurysms with stent grafts. And the same article looked at some numbers that, uh, and this is back in 2000, so at the four-slice era. Uh, sensitivities and specificities for detecting leakage was 63 and 77% for classic angio and 92 and 90% for CT. So CT is indeed excellent in that regard. CT is also excellent for determining the type of stent leak. Type 1 at the attachment site, type 2, which is one of the most common from a collateral vessel, could be IMA, could be lumbar. Three is device failure. Four is porosity of the graft. And we talk about primary and secondary, whether it's immediate or less than 30 days post-op versus greater than 30 days out. So those are two differences. So just a little bit more detail. Type 1, lack of complete seal between the stent and vessel wall. That was more common in the past. It's uncommon now. Type 2, classic one, backfilling of an aneurysm via branches such as lumbar IMA. Type 3, leak at connections of the components, device disruption, fabric tears. Again, uh, basically graft failure, very uncommon these days, or extravasation of contrast through the interstices of the graft material. And that also is not uncommon. So type 2 and 4 are the most common. Most leaks will resolve within six months. And so what you try to do is manage these patients more conservatively. So again, that becomes very, very important. Uh, if aneurysms will increase in size of over 0.5 centimeters, then you're typically going to require intervention. So a few examples. Here's a failed stent. Here's more of a type 3. The stent is collapsing. You're going to occlude the aorta. Here's a more common type 2, where you can see that little IMA vessel feeding into the sac. And you can see the endo leak that's present. And again, again with the 3D imaging and multiplanar, you really can show very nicely uh, these uh, uh, vessels that are feeding. You can see this case, you can see there's occlusion of the limb. You also can see some of the high density material within the aneurysm, why a non-contrast CT was helpful in this scenario. Or this case where you can see very nicely, it looks good until you see uh, at the bifurcation where you see an endo leak. So again, endoleak as well as occlusion of the right limb. And here it is just a very coarse uh, reconstruction coronally. But that's one of the complications. Uh, limb occlusion is just one of the known complications. Very easy to recognize in this regard. I've seen a few interesting cases. Let me show you this case. This patient had fibroid embolization. And look what happened to the patient's aorta. It was nearly occluded. That's the 3D rendering. Look at that limited rim of contrast just above the bifurcation. And you can see here, you can see a flap on axial. And you go a little bit lower on the axial images. And you can see that the patient's aorta is, is essentially occluded. Um, just a very nice example of that. And uh, you can see this is just a disaster. This is a young patient. And I'll show you again a few different renderings. Uh, you can see that the section, the occlusion is just past the patient's IMA, which was fortunate. And as you go through the different rendering techniques, uh, the patient then, based on the CT, had a stent placed. And you can see very nicely the stent is in great position. Stent is patent. Good flow to the iliac vessel. So again, this is a great example of CT diagnosing the problem, looking at what needs to be done, the stent being placed, and CT being used to be able to follow up the stent. So again, uh, just the entire process, just very nice example. 
in this case. So uh, very, very important to application. Uh, and this is something you're going to see a lot of, and probably all of you see this in practice as well. You can see in this example I'm showing you the tracking software, showing you very nicely as we follow up the aorta and common iliac vessel that we track along the vessel, we can rotate along the center line, and we can see very nicely um, just uh, that the, uh, the vessel is now patent and this patient had a good post-procedural result. Last comment to speak about, uh, uh, and, and really it's a conclusion, you have to look at all five processes with the right workflow MDCT evaluation of the aorta is a very robust procedure. It indeed works very, very nicely. It's just a very elegant procedure, easy to do, uh, well-defined, and again, workflow will determine your success. And with that, let me stop there and uh, have a great day.